morning again. Uh, happy Father's Day. Um, what, a, what a great day to be here. Um, what a great day to be in the Father's house today um, on such a special day. As Jeff had those pictures of camp up there, um, he let me go with them this year. I went with them last year also, but he let me go. Um, and I think I just now caught up with sleep. So um, if, for those of you that don't know me or don't recognize me because I cut my beard off, um, uh, my name is Corey Stewart. I'm the college pastor here at Memorial, and, and it's just a great opportunity to be here today, and I'm just so thankful um, of Ridge for giving me the opportunity to be here. It's not a, and Jeff will tell you this, and, and Joel, who preached last week, will tell you this, it's not a common thing um, for the pastor to allow people to preach in his pulpit a lot. And so for Ridge to, to step aside and be able to go on vacation and give me the opportunity to speak today is something that... Um, one, I take very seriously, but it's an honor to me. Um, and, and so I want you to know that. I want you to know where I'm coming from with it. Um, this morning we had a little bit of a, the, the air conditioner wasn't working in here this morning. It is now. Um, I had a really good joke for it, though. I really did. So um, uh, I'll, I'll wait until it doesn't work, and then I'll, I'll give the joke. Um, <laughs> now, I said, I'll tell you, I said we, we printed special bulletins this week that if you fold them in half and go like this, it helps. So, um, no, let's go ahead. Let's pray before we, before we get into to God's word today. Uh, Father, we just, we thank you for, for all that you do for us. God, for providing for us, for, uh, for walking alongside of us through the things that are, that are not fun, but also, God, uh, knowing that you're cheering us on and that you're, that you're excited for the things that are going on in our lives. God, we know that everything we do is, is because of you. And I pray that as we go throughout and look at Scripture today and look at your word, um, God, I, I pray that we focus on our relationship with you. Um, God, it is Father's Day, and it is a special day um, for the fathers that are here, the ones that are at home, or maybe listening or watching. Um, God, I just thank you for them. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for, um, for what they mean to us and the dedication they've given us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when Ridge came to me, with the opportunity to preach, um, I said, of course. Uh, you know, anytime that, that you're in the position that I'm in and you get an opportunity to do this, um, I want to take it. And so when he asked me, I immediately said yes. And um, without looking at a date, without really knowing what day it was, um, I took it. And as the date got further down, I got to see what day it was that he wanted me to preach on, which was Father's Day, um, which has always been... An interesting day for me, um, and I got, I got pretty nervous when it came to that, when I realized that, um, wow, I'm going to be up there during Father's Day. The reason I got nervous is because, some of you know this, some of you don't, my father passed away when I was 12. So I grew up most of my life without a dad. I grew up a lot of my life in my formidable years without a father. The other part of that is, um, I'm not a dad. <laughs> uh, so I don't know what it's like. Um, but... The first question I asked myself was this. I asked, how am I supposed to pre preach and speak about fathers on Father's Day if I grew up without one? And I was on my way home after having that conversation in my head to myself and really being anxious and nervous about it. Um, I was on my way home, and I was listening to, to a song, and it's a song called No Longer Slaves. And in that song, it says, I'm no longer a slave to fear because I'm a child of God. And what God reminded me of in that moment, and I hope reminds you because I know what Father's Day means to some of you, and it's, it's a hard day sometimes. 
But what I wanted to remind you is that you no longer have to fear or be anxious. What he reminded me of is I do have a wonderful father. In fact, I have the most wonderful father. And I have since I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was a young kid. And so to be reminded of that showed me that, Corey, you, you can do this because it's not you doing it. It's me. Um, I just need to use you. If you're willing to be used, that's all I need from you. And so um, I tell you this to share part of my story with you, um, to hope you, hopefully let you understand how great our God is. The one that I'm going to be talking about today, how great of a father he is. Um, you know, over the years, um, God has really, really taken care of me. Um, he's blessed me with a lot of wonderful men in my life that um, taught me things that I didn't know I needed to know. Um, first off, when my dad passed away, he, he, um, my granddad stepped up in my life and became that father figure to me. Um, we did everything together. We worked out in his shop together. We, he, he fed the urge to play golf, uh, good or bad, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I played a lot of golf with him. Um, he taught me how to stand up for myself, but he showed me an example of what it looked like as a man loving his family. So God provided that. A little further down in my life, when I was about 18, um, a pretty, uh, pretty good age to, to rebel and to, to run away from what my mom had been telling me all this time, I got my, my God um, provided me a stepdad. And um, he provided me a stepdad that showed me, I think, one of the most important lessons that I've, that I've learned thus far being a husband, I can say this, he showed me what it looked like to love a wife. And I didn't know that was something that I needed from him, but he showed me how to love my mom. He showed me that he chose her first over us, which is proper, which is the thing that, that God has called us to do. And um, he did things with me that, that a father's supposed to do. He took me hunting, he took me fishing. I'd really never been fishing or hunting up in my life until that point. Um, and so, so he taught me how to do those things, and he did those dad things with me. Um, that are that are very important. And then I got married, and um, he provided me a father-in-law that showed me um, how to support and love your children like no person I've ever known. And so what I'm, I'm telling you this is not to brag on myself or not to brag on these men that I'm talking about, but what I want you to see is God will show himself mighty in your life. And he will provide and take control and take care of the things that we think we need um, exactly when the timing is right for him. Not for us, not when, when I felt like I needed a dad. No, when, when, when God knew that that's what I needed to take more steps in my life to grow as a man, he provided that for me. See, he'll provide exactly what you need when you need it, um, even though we don't know that we need it all the time. Um, there were things I learned from, from all three of these men that I didn't know I needed to learn. Um, But God showed through them that Father's Day um, is a big day. It's a day that we honor the fathers um, in our lives for the love, the dedication, the support that they've shown us over the years. Um, I know that Father's Day, like I said a little bit ago, Father's Day means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And I know it can include hurt and pain um, from maybe that somebody that's gone before you or the lack of relationship that's there. Uh, but it's also an opportunity to worship our Heavenly Father. And what a great day to be here. I can't think of a better day to be in our Father's house than on Father's Day. And so um, it's interesting, growing up in church, uh, we went every, every Father's Day and every Mother's Day, and we went to church about every week, and 
the thing I remembered the most is like Father's Day seemed to be a little different than Mother's Day. Um, Mother's Day was, was like inspiring and talking about how great the women are, and that's true, and that's great. Um, but it seemed like the, the dads left a little bit um, kind of down, and it's like they just don't quite add up to what a father is supposed to be in the Bible. And um, it seemed to me that, that they walked out a little bit more defeated than they come in. Um, as you can tell by, by the title of my sermon, I have good news for you. That's not going to happen today. Um, I want to take the opportunity today, um, just as we honor mothers in our lives on Mother's Day, and we should, um, we need to honor our fathers on Father's Day as well. And it doesn't just end when, hey, um, you took them out to lunch and that's it. No, it's a, it's a day to, to celebrate and honor them. Um, today I want to talk about the most wonderful father. And the reason I do is because I want us to remember the most important relationship that we have in our life is the one with him. We seem to value and want to put it on other things, but the most important relationship we can have is the one with the father. And if that's not right, nothing out here is going to be. And until we figure that out, until we realize that, um, we don't become the people that God has called us to be. We focus on the things of the earth. So I want to talk about that today. In the Gospels, Jesus refers to, to my father 53 times. He refers to our father 21 times. And he refers to your father 21 times. I don't think that there's an accident. I don't think that it just happened that way, that in, in Jesus' speech, that he said it the exact amount of times of being our father and your father. I think that was on purpose to make us understand and realize the depth of love that God has for us. The depth of love that um, reaches far beyond any relationship that we can understand. And Jesus in the Gospels is telling us this, is telling us that um, I want you to know that he's your father. Over all else, all, all over everything that's going on in your life, remember you have a father. And um, so I want to I talk today about the matter of God being called our father. Um, for a long time in my life, I struggled with that because um, I didn't have a dad, so I didn't know what that relationship looked like. So I just said God all the time, or I didn't refer to him as my father. And when I did that, it changed, it changed my life because it made me look at an intimate relationship with God. It wasn't just a, hey, give me this, hey, give me that. No, it was, I want to have and I crave and I seek to have a relationship with you. And so when that changes for our lives, that makes a difference. As I said, I don't think Jesus was, was by accident putting those words on there to say, um, our Father and your Father. I want us to think about that and remember that um, through all the hard times, um, I want you to look at that and be reminded that you're his children. And so if we focus on that today, we're going to be in Luke um, chapter 12, and we're only going to couple of, cover a couple of verses, but... Um, they're powerful. And it's Luke chapter 12, verses 29 through 32. I know the air conditioner's working, but I'm hot, so that's okay. Um, but Luke 12, 29 through 32. Um, I'm going to ask you if, you, if you have your Bibles with you, if you will um, read along with me. Um, and if you are, are an underliner in your Bible, I want to ask you to underline a few words here in just a second. So I'm going to read the verse. It says, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, 
And your father, underline that, your father, knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father, underline, good sp- father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The first thing I want us to look at this morning in this section of scripture is the relationship that we have with God. And I'm going to break it down a little bit and look at a few different parts and sections of the relationship that we have with them and why it's important. And just how great that relationship can be and just how great it is um, that we have the opportunity to have this relationship with, with the creator of the universe. First, it's a personal relationship. Verse 30 tells us, it says, For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. When Jesus says, your Father, right there, he's showing us that it's a very personal relationship. He's not showing us that, hey, a Father or some Father. No, your Father is seeking to have a relationship with you. So it's making it personal in that that section of Scripture right there. It also says... One of the things is when an unbeliever comes to the saving faith of Christ, we use the term, he's born again. That person is born again. And in that instant, um, they're not only brought into, just like I said, just a relationship, they are brought into the relationship with God. In that moment. And so, um, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen, because what I'm sharing with you is the gospel. What I'm sharing with you is that God sent his only son down here to die on the cross for you to have a relationship with the Father. That's what the gospel is. That's the good news that we talk about. It's not super complicated. It's actually pretty simple. We just have to take the step to understand it. And take the step, not necessarily to understand it, but take the step of faith that it takes to have that relationship because God is seeking that personal relationship with us. If you look even further at it, Romans 8, verse 15, it says, For you did not receive the Spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. It says there that we're adopted. The word adoption there literally, mean, literally means to be placed as a son. In adoption, a son that is brought into a family and given the same rights as a child that's born into that family. That's the importance of the 21 times that I talked about. Our father and your father, there's no difference there. We are his children. Praise God that we have the opportunity to be God's children. See, God seeks to have a personal relationship with us. He does so much that he adopts us as his own. He doesn't just come alongside and say, hey, whenever you need something or every once in a while, I'll be with you. No, it's, it's, it's forever. It's right then. He wants to have that relationship, and he's constantly seeking that relationship out from us. The next thing is, it's a profound relationship. What I mean by that is this. Think about who you were before God saved you, before you accepted Christ and who you are now. Think about the decisions you made and and the lost soul that you were and who you are now and who God's made you to be. And who you have, once you've accepted him, who he has created you all over and accepted you as his own. Think of what you were before. The reason I say profound because it's pretty remarkable to think about that. Romans 8, 7 tells us that. 
It says, For the mind that is set in the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It says that anyone that is lost is an enemy of God. The reason this relationship is profound is because you go from being an enemy to being his child. And only through his power is that able to happen. Notice the word in there in Romans 8, 7. It says, indeed, at the very end, it says, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Notice the word cannot. Um, For those of you who don't know, cannot means it's impossible. There's no way that if we haven't accepted Jesus that we can even follow the law that God's laid before us. And what he's saying here is the reason this relationship is profound because now that I've accepted Christ, I have the opportunity to follow the law that he's given me. But before that, I don't have the ability. I don't have, there's no way, uh, no way to show us how we're supposed to live without that. That's a pretty powerful statement to read, saying that we cannot follow God's law. It also shows us how far we've come. If we think, man, God, I just haven't, been doing a whole lot for you. I haven't, I haven't done a whole lot in my life. I haven't come a long way. I'm still kind of the same person. No, once you accepted Christ, you're different. You're different. Something has happened. You can start. But until that point, until that moment, you cannot. See, what makes this relationship profound is the fact that not only did God have the grace to forgive us, <laughs> he adopted us into his family. We became his forever. When you consider the same sinner also becomes a child of God is, is amazing beyond words. It's not normal. If you look at, at how things go in the world and how things are happening in the world, that's not a normal thing. That's the reason it's so different. And so we have to understand that not only is this a personal relationship, but it's profound. And it's not based on anything that we can do. It's based on what he's done in our lives. The last thing is that I want you to understand and we can't get away from is is we have to understand that this relationship's permanent. That it's a permanent relationship. When God adopted us into his family, he didn't just do it for a little while until we were bad and then he kicked us back out. No, he did it forever. He took the steps to send his only son to die on the cross because he knew we needed a savior. See, adoption in biblical times cannot be undone. When I read this, I thought, this is crazy. But adoption in biblical times couldn't be undone. You could disown your own children, but once you adopted a child, it was yours forever. It wasn't, it wasn't a, um, hey, come into my family for a little while and leave. Um, no, it was, it was a forever decision that you made. So I think that when we're looking at this and when we're reading these, this section of Scripture and we're reading Romans 8, verses 15, That's why it's so powerful, because the word adoption meant something, and it means something. And what God is saying there is that I adopted you as a son, not just for a little bit. I adopted you as a son forever. John 10, 28 goes on and is a a wonderful verse for this. It says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. He didn't just give you a life on earth. He didn't just give you... Um, a time now when you were adopted into his family. He didn't just say, hey, you're mine now just for a little bit. It says there he gave you eternal life. And not only that, you'll never perish, and nothing and no one could snatch you out of the Father's hand. 
that's a bold statement and a good reminder when we feel like, hey, we're just not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Um, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, you're not. But it's okay. We have the opportunity through God to know that we can see tomorrow. See, what God does when he saves a soul is marked as permanent. I think we have a hard time understanding that and realizing that in this world of just the depth of what that means. Because we don't, nothing here for us is permanent except for that relationship. That's the other thing that makes this relationship profound. I want to move on for a second and and talk a little bit more in depth about a relationship. See, a relationship comes with responsibilities. Just as a human father has certain responsibilities to his children, God has taken on many responsibilities in relation to us. Verse 30 through 32 tells us about these responsibilities. What I want you to understand about the word responsibility is this. is Remember the, the covenant that he made with Abraham and the covenant he made with Moses. God was going to do his part. It was up to them to do theirs. So when I talk about responsibilities, it's weird to say that God has a responsibility to us, but he's promised us these things. He's promised to give us eternal life. What he's saying is, is I'm going to hold up my end of the deal. It's up to you. Are you going to follow me? Are you going to be faithful and obedient? But I'm going to do my part. So verse 30 tells us that it says, let me get back to it. Verse 30 says, For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. He has the responsibility of awareness. It says there that our Father knows that, he, that we need them, that we have needs. This tense that the passage is alluding to, that it's using, tells us that we have multiple needs that are constant. Not just a one-time thing. I can attest to that. <laughs> I need him every day. Not just on Sunday mornings and I go home and Monday through Saturday I get beat up and I come back Sunday and I need you again. No, we have constant needs um, that he is aware of, that he sees. Even though we have needs and we have them all the time, he's aware of every single one of them. The word know there means to be aware of something. He's always aware of everything that his children need. Even though we don't think that he is, even though we don't think that God, you're just not seeing what I'm struggling with. You're not seeing what I'm dealing with. How are you not showing up in this? He's aware. He knows. Nothing happens in your life or mine that goes unnoticed by our Father. It says so in the previous verses. Verse 24 says, Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And if you skip to verse 26 through 28, it says, If then... You are not able to do as a small thing as that. Why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? <clears throat> he knows our needs. He's aware of them. Sometimes as human parents, as parents, we just don't know what the needs of our children are. I'm not a parent, but I'm telling you, I've been a child, I know that, I understand that. That maybe you may not always know what the needs of your, ch- your ch- children are, but God does. God knows what, what the needs of every one of his children are. I would go even further to say, 
like Romans 8.28 tells us. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. I'll go even further to say this, that nothing happens in your life or mind that isn't part of his plan. You may think that, how can this possibly be part of your plan, God? How can this possibly be something that I need to go through to be able to see you in it? But he knows, he's aware of it. Romans 8.28 gives us that promise. See, it's not enough for the Lord just to be aware of the problems that his children have. That's not his character. His character is that of going to the ends of the earth to walk through the trouble we face. He gave us that example by sending his son because he knew we needed a savior. He knew we were sinful people. He knew that we needed a savior. So he has the responsibility of ability. Verse 31 says, Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. According to this passage, God has the power to take care of us as well as to know about us. Many people, including myself, at times in my life have lived in doubt of the great ability that God has to care for his people. Seems to think that, God, maybe you just can't do this. It's not true. That's not true at all. Let me remind you that he can take care of you. If he can speak the universe into existence, he can take care of you. If he can keep Noah safe in the flood, he can take care of you. If he can raise Lazarus from the dead, he can take care of you. He's able. Ephesians 3.20 is a verse that I always go to when, when I'm reminded of this. It says, Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. As human parents, you may not be able to meet the needs of your children, but God will never fail. Not only that, not only will he not fail, but he'll go above and beyond anything that we can expect or think that he's going to do. He is more than able to do that for us in our lives, and he will. God's awareness of our needs and his power to help us is a wonderful truth. But if he is a God that's far removed from his children, then his power does us no good. If he's too far away to be able to understand or maybe he sees them and he has the ability to do it, but he's just not there, then his power does us no good, but he is. (laughs) He is available. Praise God that he's available. Not only is he aware and able, but he's also with us and he's available. So he has the last thing is he has the responsibility of availability. Verse 32, it says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It says that he delights. Some says delights. Some says good pleasure, which means to choose, to determine, to be ready, to be well pleased with, to do that which seems good. It's a tongue twister, but I'll read it again. Good pleasure means to choose, to determine, to be ready, to be well pleased with, to do that which seems good. God has determined to be ready to do what is good for his children. See, this implies that he himself has made himself available to us. He's available to each of his children. The problem comes, and let me tell you, the problem comes, especially I've seen it in my life and I've seen it in the people around me, the problem comes is when we don't hold up our end of the bargain. He's available. We're just not calling on him. He's available. We're just not seeking out his will in it. We're just going our own way in it. See, the problem comes when we don't consistently call on him when things aren't going how they should. Instead, we try to fix it upon ourselves and not be dependent upon him. There are times as 
as human parents, and I remember this one when I was writing this, I thought about this, but I remember um, when it become, when you may not be, always be available to your children to help them. I remember going off to college, and um, it was three hours away from where my, my mom had lived, and all I'd ever known was, was my mom took care of us, and she did so much for us to, to help us out and to do everything that she could for us. And it never crossed my mind, which I, I look back at it now, and I think, wow, it never crossed my mind that I wouldn't be living with her, that I would be out on my own, that I would be gone in college. It never crossed my mind that um, my mom is no longer can I just see her face to face when I have a problem. I have to make a phone call or something like that. But I remember having a problem in financial aid, and they called me, and I was like, you need to call my mom. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but we need your signature. I, I don't know. You can send it to my mom. I, I, I don't know what to do. Um, and, and so it's funny, but that's how I was. And, um, I remember calling my mom and telling her, mom, they, they need my signature. They need something with financial aid. I don't know. Can you just talk to them? I don't don't know what to do. Um, and my mom was like, no, Corey, it's, this is your time now. I've done enough for you. Um, you need to go down there and meet with them and take care of it. If there's anything I can do on this side, I'll help you, but I'm not going to Definitely not going to drive three hours to help you, and I'm not going to, to walk you through this. You can figure it out on your own. You need, you're an adult. You need to figure this out. And so, um, you know, we may not always be available and right there to help with our children, um, but God is. <laughs> he's always near and he's always available. A relationship consists of equal parties being, vo- being involved. It's non-existent when it's only one way. God can do everything he can, but if we're not willing to listen, if we're not willing to do what he's called and asked us to do, the relationship isn't there. We can say it's there, but it's not there. It's not a relationship. It's a genie in a bottle to say, hey, when I have a problem wrong, help me. I don't want a relationship with you. I just want you to fix it. While we can depend on God to come through with his part, we play a role in this. So what does that look like? What does our role look like? First thing is, is we must have faith. Verse 29 and verse 32, it says, And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. Verse 32 says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. <laughs> verse 29, we're commanded to not be anxious. Verse 32, we're commanded to not be worried or afraid. See, we are going to be constantly tempted to be anxious about the things that are going on around us. Everywhere we look, we're going to have the temptation to be worried or to be anxious, um, to be nervous. We have to fight that by leaning on God. We can't fight that by leaning on ourselves. It's not going to work that way because we're just going to dig ourselves deeper and deeper into it. And until we realize that, hey, God, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I gotta, this has got to be on you. This has got to be your power. I have faith that you're going to take care of this for me. Until we take that step to understand um, it's going to be a tough road. See, what Jesus is doing here is he's challenging us. He's challenging us to trust the Lord, to learn to trust the Lord regardless of what your circumstances are. Jesus wouldn't say all of this if he wasn't confident that his father wasn't going to come through. He wouldn't said this if he thought, well, they may have a reason to be nervous. He hadn't answered the phone in a couple weeks. No, uh, it's not that. Jesus knew his father's character. He knew the relationship that his father sought to have with us, his children, and he knew that he was going to come through on his end. That's why he tells us not to be afraid. That's why he tells us not to be anxious. 
anxious. There may be times when it looks like there's no way out, but we have to have faith that, that trust that God is in control of that. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 23 says, And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says this to the mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. It's a pretty good reminder of the power that God has um, for us. That if we have the faith, to follow him, if we have the faith to believe that whatever's going on in our lives, that God is going to take care of that, if we have that true faith and not just say, hey, God, you do this part and I'll do this part. No, have that faith that he's going to take control and take care of it. That's the power that, that resides in us. And lastly, we must be faithful. If we're going to experience the awesome power of God that I just talked about in our lives day by day, we must learn to be faithful to the Lord. In, the verse, in verse 31, it says, instead, seek his kingdom. That word seek literally means to crave something. We are to crave or desire the things of God over everything else in our lives. So I'm going to ask the question, and it's not an easy one to answer. It's a hard question to answer. What are you seeking? What are you craving in your life that isn't him? Comfort? Money? something, a relationship? What are you craving that isn't God? Because that's what we need to be seeking. We need to be seeking his kingdom. 2 Timothy 2.13, when I was preparing for this, was a verse that um, I had read, but it just spoke to me differently this time. And it's a verse that I think is so um, powerful and, and encouraging to me. It says in 2 Timothy 2.13, it says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. If you're looking for the definition of a father, you want to know what the definition of a father is? There you go. That regardless of what we, his children, are doing, regardless of how unfaithful we are and the lack of faith that we have in our lives for him to show up, he is faithful. Regardless of what we're doing, he's faithful. No matter how, um, where we're walking or what we're doing, he's walking with us and he's faithful to us. When we put him first, God will put us first. We miss out on his best when we fail to put him first in our lives. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. It's us. It's because we haven't put him first in that category or that area or that part of our lives. And we think that, well, I didn't do that, but you'll still make up for it because you're God. I've got to put him first in my life. Just as it said in Second Timothy, that's not on him. This lack of relationship that I talk about, this urge to have this dependency upon God, this relationship that we need to have, that we want to have, is not based on Him. He's done His part. It's up to us. We have to be faithful. We have to have faith. We have to accept Him as our Lord and Savior. The lack of faith is not His faithfulness. That is in question. His faithfulness is never in question. He's faithful to us. He's promised us that. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to go into a time of response and invitation. During this time, I just want you to think about who God's provided for you, the things he's done for you in your life. And as we pray, um, 
try to figure out what those are. God, Father, we just come to you today to, to tell you how much we love you. Father, to, to show you and give back to you, God, the faithfulness that you've given to us. The responsibilities that you've taken in our lives that mean so much to us. God, I pray that as we, as we respond during this time that we are thankful for those. God, I thank you for being consistent and constant and not changing. God, I pray that in the times of my life and the things that I've done that I haven't been that faithful servant to you, I pray that, um, that God, you make me a better person because of that. Father, we love you so much. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God truly is the most wonderful Father of all. The fact that we have, the fact that He would love an unworthy, save them by grace, and adopt them to His family proves that. Add this to the fact that He looks out for His children and takes care of them in the spectacular fashion that He takes care of us. I'm glad that He's my Father today. We're going to do a little something a little different today, and I'm not going to have the band come back up. We're just going to have music playing. And I did this specifically to give the, uh, the band an opportunity to respond as well. I don't know where you're at personally. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know the struggles you're having or, or the victories that you're, that you're having also. I don't know that. But I do know that wherever you are, God's calling you deeper. If you're walking with him and he's right there, he's calling you deeper. If you're not walking with him or you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he's calling you deeper. That's his character. That's who he is. If you don't have this relationship, then come up here and we'll deal with that. If he's calling you to join the church, then do that. But I want to issue a challenge. And I'm going to issue a challenge to the men. So perk up your ears a little bit. As I was preparing for this, I, 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 know, I knew that God was impressing upon my heart to do something different today. Man, I'm going to challenge you to find other men in our congregation. Two, three, whatever it is. And I want you to come to the front and pray together. Because there's something powerful that happens when our church sees, when a church sees the men at the front of the altar praying. If you want a way to lead, that's how you lead. And so I want you to find two or three men that you have a relationship with, or maybe it's fallen apart or whatever it is, and use this time now to come down and pray with them. It's powerful. And I want our church to see that today. Being obedient is powerful, not what we say, but what we do. It's not just about saying it, it's about being it, it's about doing it. So be obedient during this time.